As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. The Athletic. Last summer, the list of high-profile players leaving some of Europe's biggest clubs to join the Saudi Pro League seemed to get longer by the day. A familiar story... Al Ahli of Saudi Arabia agreeing a deal for Manchester City's Riyad Mahrez. Al Hilal have signed Neymar. Every sort of transfer you talk about, you're mentioning these Saudi clubs. What started with a multi-million pound pursuit of Cristiano Ronaldo in December 2022 soon expanded to include the likes of Karim Benzema, Ruben Neves and of course Jordan Henderson. Well now it seems, Henderson wants out and to return to the Premier League. And I'm afraid to say, it may not be that easy. I'm Ayo Akimwelere. Welcome to the Athletic Football Podcast. Oh, it's good to be back. Happy New Year, everyone in the studio. For my first podcast of the new year, we have The Athletic Sarah Shepherd and also Ollie Kay, who've both dropped a piece on Jordan Henderson that you can read now on The Athletic as well. Right, let's get into this. In September, Jordan Henderson told The Athletic he wanted a move that would excite him. Sarah, when you heard that, and I know it was a groundbreaking interview with both Adam Crafton and David Ornstein, were you sceptical? <laughs> um... Yes, yes and no, I think. Um, this is a player moving somewhere where I, I like completely believe that he was sold something that probably did sound very exciting. You know, an opportunity to help build something brand new, to be a big part of something that's growing and, you know, trying to potentially change things in a country that is is telling people it's trying to move in a new direction. Um so from that side of things, maybe he was, like, maybe he was excited for to, for something new. You know, he'd been at Liverpool for twelve years, um, and and he clearly felt, you know, it was time, or you know, he felt it was the right time for something new. Um, but also from a football sense, it it felt a little bit strange because we knew widely accepted that the level there wasn't going to be anywhere near what he was used to playing at and what he would know that he needs to be playing at to to keep being um, at the right level for England, um, which was obviously important to him. So it felt like, from the beginning, like a contradiction, I think. Yeah, Ollie, what do you think? Oh, I was 
I was totally skeptical. Um, I don't think it's. I don't think it's an exciting project. I just don't. I mean, I, I, you could say that. You could say the Saudi Pro League project as a whole is exciting if you're a player who's been tempted there or a coach who's been tempted there. But I, I don't think Al Etifak ever looked more than a club really sort of making up the numbers. I think they finished seventh last season. They weren't signing big star names. Henderson was probably the biggest of them. Steven Gerrard was the manager. Obviously, you know, St- Steven Gerrard was managing the Premier League last season, but he, he's not an elite level manager. The, he wasn't joining elite level players. There has been an investment in the club, but football-wise, it did not look a remotely <laughs> exciting project. You could say um, so many clubs across Europe and across the world that might be an exciting project, but I don't think um, many people thought that Al Etifak was one of them. So I'm just left scratching my head to work out what appealed to the move. Yeah, I mean, I look at that interview and there were so many quotes you could just pull out that were slightly contradictory, some might say. But in fairness, Sarah, I'm looking at a player who's, you know, done so much with Liverpool, had a fantastic career there. He said a totally different league, totally different culture. I mean, surely anyone deserves that opportunity just to taste something new. Obviously, from that interview that he did with with Adam and um, Orney, he he was clear that he felt he wasn't wanted, he wasn't valued at Liverpool, and that is what drove his decision. Otherwise, he said in that interview he would have stayed if one person had asked him to stay. He would have stayed. Um, so I think that you have to remember that that was his driving emotion and thought when he left. I'm not wanted here. I want to go somewhere where I'm valued where people you know think that I can bring something to them that was his was his driving emotion and he obviously well what he said was that he felt that from Al Etifak mm. that he was going to be part of something and and that according to him is what what was the driving factor mm. well I guess on a humanist level everyone wants to be made to feel special where, wherever they go whatever job you do um but but Ollie he now wants to leave <laughs> do we do we know why yeah, because he hasn't settled there. Um, I think personally or professionally, his family are out there with him. Um, I gather his family are living in Bahrain, which is just across the bridge from um, from where Aletifak play in Damam. Yeah, apparently it's it, it's been very challenging for the family. Um, quite a, an upheaval, quite a culture shock. Not really surprising. I think most people would have said it. It, it will be a. It will be a shock. It will be, uh, apart from the heat, it's you know it's, it's a totally different existence. I think professionally, they actually started the season well. They, they beat Cristiano Ronaldo's team Al Nasser in their first game, sort of top three or top four after the first five games. And since then, they've really slid. It's one win in twelve or one in one in eleven or something like that. They've really dipped. They've had a couple of injuries and and without Moussa Dembélé, one of their star players. They're a sort of bang average at best team, uh, so they slid down the um, they slid down the table, and I think he, from what I gather, he just finds it unsatisfying, frustrating that he's playing at a low level in front of small crowds um, in a team that's not competitive, professionally and personally, it looks very unfulfilling, and I'm not really surprised. I I, I think most people thought it was going to be like that for him, and maybe he thought. Maybe he had some measure of understanding about that and thought that it would be easier in in some other ways. But whatever the financial incentive was for going there, it feels like it appears that 
it, it's not worth it for him, that he wants to um, keep himself at a level where he's going to be competitive for England, for the England squad in the, in the summer, because I think it's probably doing more harm to his England chances than, say, a marginal role at Liverpool would have done. I'm just thinking uh, whether there's a feeling of egg on your face at, at this point, really. Um, and look, every person um, has the opportunity to make a decision and say, you know, they don't want to make that decision or go back on that decision as a human being. But um, I guess with all the PR that, that, that came with it, uh, new league, new project, all the stuff he said to Adam Crafton and David Ornstein, to now go back on all of those things and say, oh, I think I want to come back home. I mean, what kind of reception are you expecting if you, if you do come back to England? Yeah, I mean, he's not stupid. I'm sure he's aware of how it will look. I assume have to do some pretty honest talking when he comes back, um, if he does come back. Um, but it, I mean, it's almost quite, I hesitate to say this because I know people won't, won't feel this way, but it's almost quite brave, you know, to admit that you've you've made a mistake and go back on all of those things. It's brave in one way and mm. not in others to go back on that and say, actually, you know, I've made a mistake. We all do things that, you know, we all take jobs or, you know, make moves that don't go right. And like, maybe it takes resilience to, to carry on with that. But also sometimes maybe you have to admit that actually it was the wrong decision. It was the wrong decision for my career. It was the wrong decision for my future as an England player and my chances of playing in the Euros this summer. So, you know, regardless of the implications and how it's going to look and, you know, the financial implications, I, I want to come back and try and put this right. Mm. So in some ways it's quite brave, although people I know will take issue with that. He, he's Again, not, we've all made yeah. mistakes. He's not saying it publicly at the moment. That's that, That's one interesting thing. So I think that would be brave. I think it would be particularly brave to say it publicly if he was back over there for, for a training camp or whatever. It's it's a really difficult situation because, look, people can say, I mean, Jurgen Klopp responded the other day by saying, well, has has Jordan Henderson said this in a press conference? No, then I disregard it. But I think people, if they, if they follow football seriously enough to want to listen to this podcast and be interested in journalists, what journalists, journalists think and what people within football think, um, make no mistake, Jordan Henderson wants to go. Um, he hasn't said it publicly, but the reports that you've seen over the last couple of days, initially in the Daily Mail, I think, and subsequently in The Athletic and elsewhere, they are very well sourced. So he does want to leave, but whether he actually gets the chance to leave, I don't know. And But I, I do agree with Sarah. It's because these rumours about his disillusionment have been have been blowing around for a couple of months now so we've got mm. back to November but what I was told in November was that look it's a non-starter because he will have to stay there he he might feel like he's made a mistake in some ways but he's got to write stick it out and he's determined to stick it out and one of the reasons was you know pride one of the reasons was you know honoring a contract and um, another reason was there was going to be a huge tax bill if he if he came home that was it was t I, I was told it was going to be very very difficult to come back even even if he wanted to so I thought he was going to stick it out. And I was quite surprised that it was sort of almost being actively briefed from the Henderson camp as of, as of the weekend that, yeah, he does want to come, come back. Because I think still it's, it's much easier said or briefed than, than done. You're listening to The Athletic Football Podcast with Ayo Akinwalere. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, 
everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard it right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask me. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. I don't understand the question around selecting him other than on performance. I wouldn't just rule him out because he was moving to a league that at the moment isn't at the level of the big European leagues. Sarah, I want to talk to you about the financial implications in, in just a second because I know you've definitely written on this. But Oli, just a, a, a quick one on that and just to pick up on something Sarah said about the Euros. You know, you've got the Euros coming up in Germany um, over the summer. Um, it, can this be a factor in, in, in why he wants to come back and play competitive football? Yeah, I think one thing that people might say was is that Southgate's loyalty to Henderson appears so extreme that he wouldn't have any qualms about picking him either way. I don't think... I don't think Southgate's loyalty has ever been tested, really, because unlike, say, Harry Maguire, Henderson has always been playing and, and playing at a good level for Liverpool. Not so great last season, but he was still one of Liverpool's more important players last season. So he's always been playing at a level which would justify England's selection. You could also look at, for example, Harry Maguire or Calvin Phillips and say that these guys weren't even playing regularly for their teams or were playing very irregularly and infrequently in Calvin Phillips' case and was still getting in the England squad. One thing which Gareth Southgate said to explain that was that, look, these guys might not be playing every week, but they are still training at a really, really high level amongst elite players, under elite coaches, day in, day out, week in, week out. Calvin Phillips might be rusty, but when he when he turns up at England, he, he looks capable of doing a job. That has been justified, likewise with Harry Maguire. Henderson is actually playing more regularly than perhaps he would have done if he'd stayed at Liverpool. But if he's training, I mean, if everything we hear from coaches about the importance of keeping your level up and training at a high level, at high intensity, etc., if that's all correct, then it's natural to think that this is having a, an effect on his performance level, on his fitness level, on, on his, well, probably on his own application, on his mood. Mm. So he might turn up for England in, in March looking rusty or or... Un, untested, I guess, if, he, if he's been training at a low level day in, day out, week in, week out. That might be what concerns him because even if he's playing regularly, a week of training under Pep Guardiola at Manchester City, in, in Calvin Phillips's case, is is, is worth <laughs> 10 appearances in the Saudi Pro League for Al, for Al Etifak. It doesn't seem to be doing his prospects any good, put it that way. Liverpool now doing really well in the Carabao Cup. Not just league football and for sure, felt like Jordan Henderson might not have been playing much league football in comparison uh, to where he's at now. Surely, as any human, you're probably looking over the pond thinking, oh man, I, I, could, I could be potentially lifting a trophy with my old club right now, you know? You would, you would think so. Like, you know, that's a club that clearly was incredibly 
close to his heart. You know, his kids were born in Liverpool. He said how, you know, how much he loved the club, which is one of the reasons why he didn't maybe want to move to another Premier League club because he couldn't see himself playing against Liverpool. So, yes, like there must be an element of what if I had stayed. But, you know, again, I go back to the, the Orney and Crafton piece. Like he, he was clear that he felt there was no desire to keep him there. And when you feel like that as a person, I think it would have been difficult for him Adam said this to him, like in the past, there have been other midfielders that have come into Liverpool and you have risen to the challenge. You know, what was different this time? And he said that he just felt it was different this time, that he wasn't going to get those opportunities. So, you know, I, I can I can see why emotionally he wanted to get out, but he must now be looking at it thinking, oh, yeah, like maybe maybe I should have stuck it out and seen what, what would have transpired over the course of the, the season. OK, well, let's let's say we do take, as Oli said, these sources very seriously. Um, what are the implications of him leaving Saudi Arabia, especially if he's to come back to the UK so soon? I'm yeah. talking financials. Yeah, yeah. The tax implications are, are pretty sizable. Um, so uh, as, as we understand it in Saudi, um, there is no income tax levied on footballers' wages as long as they stay for two years otherwise there's a 20 percent tax is that right ollie yeah i believe so but you're the authority on this one so i'm actually taking notes that's that's as we understand it yeah. so um but the the bigger tax implication is in terms of coming back into the uk because by taking a, a full-time job abroad he basically uh, leaves the uk tax system but to properly break his UK tax residency, for anybody to properly break their UK tax residency, they have to be in full-time employment abroad for the rest of that tax year that you move and then the whole of the following tax year. So for a footballer, it's essentially two seasons. So for Jordan Henson, who moved in July 2023, that takes him up to April 2025. Obviously, if he returns, you know, in the next few weeks he's not going to do that what that means is that when he comes back the wages that he's earned in Saudi will then come back into the UK tax system because he hasn't properly broken his UK tax residency which means 45% plus 2% national insurance it's going to work out to a very large number obviously we don't know exactly what Jordan Henderson's wages are in Saudi um, they're reported to be 700,000 he's he told us that they were that was a lot a less, bit less than that, so um, but we don't know exactly what it is it's probably fair to say that the number that he will have to pay if he comes back within the next few weeks or before April 2025, he will lose millions. Yeah, Ollie, I was just thinking about that. And I mean, look, Jordan Henderson's had a very good career in the Premier League. So if if his accountants are good and he, he, he looks after his money right, he's still a relatively wealthy man at this point in time. It's just a bit strange, isn't it? Because... You've got this one conversation about going to Saudi Arabia for, for, for all the money. But actually, the reality is, has it really been worth it? I think if he's, uh, if he's returning home <laughs> with, a, with a huge tax bill um, after six months, I think that's not worth it. You look at Cristiano Ronaldo going out there and he said, well, look, I, I've done it all in Europe. And there was the fact that Europe's biggest clubs weren't exactly falling over themselves to sign him um, last autumn. But it's it's broadly true. He has done it all and was probably not able to keep doing it at the level he he was at before. Whereas Henderson was in, in a situation where, I think he made 43 appearances in all competitions for Liverpool last season. 
even if you know that they'd signed Chobosley and um, McAllister at the start, the start of the summer, they probably would have signed one more midfielder, whether it was Endo or Gravenberg. Even if his opportunities were reduced this season, he would still have played loads of football for Liverpool. Mm. He would still have been captain. He would still have been at the heart of everything they did. I think it was a huge mistake in terms of legacy and reputation and brand and all that, but also football-wise. I, I, I just think it's it's the fact that he appears to be desperate to get out after a few months, six months, tells you it was a big mistake. And I think there's a lot of people being quite gleeful about that, but people say he's a money grabber. Well, if, if he's willing to take a, a huge hit in order to, to to get back to playing at the standard he wants to be playing at and for his family, then, you know, maybe uh, maybe he's not such a uh, big money grabber after all. You want to come into those negotiations, regardless of where he's at age-wise. As you know, I'm Jordan Henderson. I can offer your team a little something. Everyone's seen what's been written. Everyone's seen what's been said. And then you're doing a U-turn. That must not strengthen any sort of negotiation prowess, surely. I mean, he, he's, he's a very good player, still experienced, still. But, you know, you're going to knock on the door of Brighton or Brentford. They're like, all right, I don't know if I can honour that that paycheck. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I think everyone, everyone kind of accepts that um, he's going to have to take a massive, a massive wage cut to come back to to the Premier League, as on top of the the tax implications. I mean, his his opportunities are going to be restricted to which clubs can make that less painful, I suppose, mm-hmm. <laughs> or what? He, how much he's willing to accept. You know, uh, like we don't know where his mindset is. He's obviously, as Ollie said, like that. It's obviously he's not happy there. And if you're not happy, then you will do pretty much anything to to improve that situation you know I assume that means he'll be happy to take a wage cut but him and his agent I assume will be trying to make that as least painful as it possibly can be all right I tell you what we'll we'll, we'll talk about what kind of message this is sending uh to the world about the Saudi league in just a, a second um <laughs> I'm just gonna throw a few hypotheticals here really um Let's say he does come back to the Premier League. And I know in the um, in the interview, Adam Crafton mentioned, you know, he could have considered playing for teams like Brentford or, or Brighton, for instance. Who needs Jordan Henderson's skills right now? I mean, Sarah, would take him at Arsenal? <laughs> I, w- I would. Um, <laughs> would you? you know, in light of Thomas Partey's injury injury issues, I, I think, you know, experience, like mature head in football terms, um, I probably would. <laughs> I'm not sure that would be echoed by a lot of people, though. Ollie, the club that sprang to mind the other day when I was thinking about it was um, Newcastle are looking for players to sort of help push them on. They're mm. they're trying to improve. They've got very good young players, young midfielders. They've got Tonali suspended long term. They've got all these injuries. Eddie Howe is very big on mindset mentality. It's in the northeast. Uh, oh yeah, good point. Good point. <laughs> but the fact that it's in the northeast is is almost a, a red flag because he's from he's from Sunderland. He's a, he's very much a Mackham. I'm inclined to say I can't see that happening purely on, you know, Newcastle Sunderland grounds, Tyne Tyne Weir um, grounds. But you know, if you're willing to leave Liverpool to go to Al Etifak, you're probably willing to do, <laughs> and you've made a mistake. <laughs> you, you you know, I, I, I'm sure. I'm sure he would be willing if it came to that. If Newcastle was was on a table, I, I think he'd probably jump at it in some ways. But 
as things stand on January, what is it, January the 10th, I think it just looks incredibly difficult for him to get out. So we're, we're, we're rightly and we're rightly speculating about what might happen, which clubs might be interested. And I'm, I'm sure there is interest, but whether he can actually get out and get the movie once, I don't know, easy, easier said than done. Yeah, I'm just thinking if the Premier League, Sarah, isn't an option and it's thinking about this sort of tax burden as well. Any other countries where you can sort of see this happening, you know, Spain, France, I mean, any other European countries that could allow him to, you know, how can I say, flesh out that tax burden? Yeah, yeah. So there are there are ways around it. One of those is you know, going to another country to see out that, you know, till he's properly broken the UK tax residency. So that could mean Spain. Holland, France, um, there are reports that Ajax are keen on him, but whether the feeling is mutual, we don't know. Yeah. Um, so yes, that would be a way around it. Um, if if he is, as Oli says, allowed to leave, I, I think that is the gonna be the, you know, the biggest obstacle really, because from a Saudi perspective, how does it look and what does it say to these other players that you're gonna be targeting next summer these big, big names that we know that they want to bring in next summer. What does it say to them when a player of, of Henderson's sort of standing and, and fame after six months is saying, get me out of here? Yes, he's only he's only one player. We have to remember that. And, you know, we've seen in the past players move to the Premier League from other countries and, and don't settle and, and return. So that's, you know, that, that happens. But I think the Saudis will feel that it, it doesn't send you know, the message that they really want to be sending ahead of what, what they would view as another big summer for them. I don't know, sometimes I'm sort of, I have to take my Western hat off because I feel like we're all waiting for the, the Saudi bubble to burst, Ollie. Uh, like, but Sarah is right. What does this say about a league that's trying to compete with all these other leagues and it's still fundamentally a startup that you lose someone of the experience, an England international in the likes of Jordan Henderson so soon? I think one thing you've got to say is that English players have very often not travelled well. English footballers are not renowned for being good travellers the way, for example, French and uh, Brazilian and, and Portuguese players are. Cristiano Ronaldo seems to be living with it, enjoying it, thriving in terms of scoring a lot of goals. And, you know, I, I wrote about Cristiano Ronaldo's first year there, um, and despite some inevitable teething problems, he's been enjoying it. Karim Benzema hasn't, but I think you know. I, th I think there are a lot of players who come to England because that's where the money is, and they set and and whether they settle or not, they they live with it. In most cases, I think there'll be a lot of players in Saudi Pro Saudi Pro League who probably don't like elements of of it, but will probably live with it. We we know Henderson's not happy. We. I think if if it's more than that, more than sort of two players in the in the, amongst that first big wave, I think then that becomes really pro problematic um, brand wise for Saudi Arabia. I think it's problematic if they let them go, because I think it probably almost encourages an exodus amongst amongst any un unhappy players, and it's also problematic if you keep players against their will. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. 
Head over to MichelobeUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. This episode is supported by FX's Welcome to Wrexham. Celebrity owners Rob McElhenney and Ryan Reynolds' small-town Welsh football club has finally been promoted into League Two after 15 seasons in the National League. Dedicated staff and supporters celebrate the team's return to glory while bracing for the newfound challenges that come with being in a higher league. Will Wrexham AFC stand up to the challenge and rise again into League One? FX's Welcome to Wrexham, all new, Thursdays on FX, stream on Hulu. So you're nodding at a few of those points there, Sarah. I'm also thinking about that the bigger implications of this, right? Like the World Cup's on its way. So everything's sort of gearing up towards Saudi being one of the central stages. We looked at, you know, uh, the Spanish Cup was recently played there. Like, you know, being the centre of football in prowess towards 2034. Can they afford to have anything chink that armour? Because, I mean, Cristiano Ronaldo... It's, it's it's all about brand Ronaldo, but it's all the other players fundamentally that are going to keep this league competitive. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the the optics is I think some brand people like to say the optics don't look good. <laughs> um, they they're all about twenty thirty four. Very excited about the announcement. Go Saudi Arabia twenty thirty four. It's so important to them to to show that Saudi is capable of. Um, you know, being the place for for football going forward, and I think if if this starts to become, like I said, a running theme, then then there there'll be huge concerns over there, and and they hopefully, or I'm sure they will be trying to figure out what they can do to try and change that. Mm-hmm. Like it's really interesting, or well, I think it's really interesting. Question is is whether if Al Al were being more successful on the pitch, would that change things? Yeah. I like. I don't know. I mean, obviously, he's been part of teams in the past that haven't always been successful, and you you deal with that as a footballer. That's part of it. But maybe it's different when you are, you know, in Liverpool. You're at home in England, and you have other things around you to support you through those difficult times. Whereas being in a you know country, a new country that that's so different to your home country, um, and having those problems on the pitch, maybe you don't feel the your foundations are there to support you through that. But that, yeah, that's I know, a different t- subject, but I found it quite interesting. Yeah, yeah. But I just always think that that's the, that's the life of an expat, isn't it? Like you're, you're living away from your creature comfort. It's how you adapt to that country as opposed to how that country adapts to you in many respects. But yeah, again, we're talking about footballers who are on serious, serious money. Um, I'm just thinking, Ollie, it's probably maybe a question for David Ornstein, but do we even have any sniffs as it's January of any sort of stars from Europe being looked at th- this month? Obviously, the European transfer window is opening through this month. It's interesting, isn't it? It's been very quiet so far. Um, and that has been in, in keeping with what we were told after the after the summer transfer window closed, that, that look, this was, this was necessary. This was a necessary mass investment, but January will be quiet. I was a little bit skeptical of, about that at the time because, you know, the, the, easy to forget now, but but clubs were, or well, the, the league and the um, and the authorities there were very much pushing for Mo Salah right up against the, you know, the going to the final 48 hours of the um, summer transfer window. I felt at that point, well, they're going to come back from in January, aren't they? But um, but so far they haven't. He's gone away to Afcon. Um, it's all very quiet. And no, I, I, I've not really heard of, of of much at all. What I have heard is is of clubs with aging, very expensive players, thinking that that they might palm a few of them off to Saudi Arabia, thinking that they'll, they'll be good for the 
taking some um, some of our sort of fading players off the wage bill, but not really getting much encouragement so far, which I think is interesting. It suggests that they're not going to try to make statement signings the way they did in in in, in the summer market. That they're, they're perhaps realizing that that their intake in the summer was was very much aging, very expensive, big name players, and that in order to be in a good place in two, three, four years' time, they're going to have to look at younger players, and I, I think maybe that's what they, what they will do in in um, you know probably in, probably in the summer. One of the things that is interesting is um, that from next season, the the limit on the number of uh, foreign players allowed per team will will go up to ten. At the moment, it's limited to eight, and a lot of the clubs have already filled those quotas, mm. which is one of the reasons why a lot of people were expecting January to be quiet. But yeah, from the start of next season, those clubs will have two more foreign places they can fill. Um, so that will be, I think, that's why I think their focus is really on on going big again next summer. Well, let's wait till that summer then. And maybe, I don't know, you start the petition for Henderson to come back to Arsenal, Sarah. <laughs> come to Arsenal, I should say. Guys, thank you so much for your time. And don't forget, you can read both their pieces on The Athletic right now. And also, please remember to rate and review this podcast if you are enjoying it. Thanks so much for listening. You've been listening to The Athletic Football Podcast. The producers were Adonis Pratsides and Guy Clark with additional production by Mike Stavro and Jay Beal. The executive producer was A.D. Moorhead. The Athletic.